0: Welcome to the
1: Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts.
2: I'm Rebecca. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Lindsay. And I'm Caleb.
0: We're glad you're here. We probably need like some cool intro music to each segment and like names for those, so if you come up with those, we will. Um.
2: Apparently, Nate and I are really good at coming up with names for things. You so. are,
0: except for your children. So... Oh. <gasps>
2: Wow. <laughs> that was a low blow, dude
0: Do you have a name
2: yet?
3: No Well, see <laughs> It's not, maybe not your, the names that you pick aren't bad It just takes you too long, maybe is what he Okay, fine. the
2: problem is that our first daughter's name was a family name And so she was named before she was even conceived I chose that name when I was 12 And so now we have another girl, and it's like
3: So it took you a long time, it makes sense, it's gonna take a while <laughs>
2: No, it was chosen at 12. We didn't even have to discuss it. When, I, when we found out I <coughs> was a girl, I, I asked Nate. I was like, we can talk about other girl names. Like, I know we said her name was going to be this, but like, we can still talk. He's like, no, her name is but because we don't like have that family thing. We have her middle names, um, but the first name is difficult because there are great names that sound really pretty. And then you find out they're meeting and you're like, mm, can't do it. Like, can't name my kid. For a name that means gazelle, or downy bearded youth, or swarm of bees, <laughs> I just—I
3: know Tabitha is a pretty name, <laughs> but is it Tabitha and Dorcas? It means gazelle. It's
2: <laughs> no uh, J.L. means gazelle actually, and then Deborah is swarm of bees.
3: <laughs> She's just spicy,
2: and Julianne means downy bearded youth. <laughs> like, nope, can't do it. I hope none of your kids are named that, Zach.
1: No, but uh, on a side note, my. My wife's grandmother always thought the name diarrhea was a pretty name if it didn't mean what it said. Like, if you just think of the name, like I guess it was. Okay. I cannot but separate no. those from. But meaning. you can't separate them. Like you no. can't. And so, like she was always like, "That'd be such a pretty girl's name," but I just can't get that out of my head. That, like what it means. So.
0: All right. So in the news this week, on Tuesday, Starbucks made an announcement. That pumpkin spice has returned to their stores.
2: It's not even fall yet.
0: That's interesting. Why? Why is pumpkin only a flavor for fall? Because
2: that's when they are harvested. <laughs> I mean, good. that's
0: that's
1: a, that's a sort of
3: reason. It <laughs> is not really a debate on that one.
2: <laughs> I win. Mean,
1: good job, Kayla. <laughs> what kind of conversation? Great question, really.
2: Nah. What
1: kind of conversation starters is that? Like,
2: I think. I mean, like, I appreciated that my creamer company because i buy the the crappy plastic creamer for my coffee every morning i appreciated when peppermint mocha became a year-round flavor and i think that's an example of an appropriate flavor for year-round because like peppermint isn't just like a seasonal thing but peppermint grows all year round but pumpkins definitely have their season of and you don't see pumpkins even in the store except in the fall like i mean there's pumpkins in the store now but there should Another,
1: be. Are they? Wait, I haven't I don't seen think any are.
2: pumpkins in the store.
1: There might be like four, like small, like little. I mean, squash in like the back corner. No, I guess you're the squash, but they
3: could be. it would be like halfway through this month because we'll get them by Halloween. They, like, yeah, so it'll be a couple. They weeks. could
2: be grown all year round. I guess. I mean, most squashes
3: can. I mean, I, here's the
0: thing: pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice brings me joy. It brings joy into my life, and and, and joy is a thing that. Should be around all year. So, pumpkin spice is—it's nice. Are they doing the? Uh,
1: are they it. doing the the cream pumpkin spice this year? The one they had last year, I can't remember what it's called, but it uh, was like a lighter. A,
0: they have a cold brew that's pumpkin pumpkin Ooh. spice cold brew.
2: I uh, tried okay. one pumpkin spice latte once, and I was like, I am mm, not basic white girl enough for this, <laughs> and I <laughs> I did not enjoy it.
3: I kind of refused to out of principle because I worked at a Starbucks near K State when I was in college. And it was right near sorority row where all the sorority houses were. And they would all come after their house meetings and come get like pumpkin spice frappuccinos. I have a deep hatred of frappuccinos and pumpkin spice. (laughs) Because they'd come at like 930 and we closed at 950. Now, to be
2: fair, I have, I had a roommate who made the best vegan pumpkin muffins.
3: Pumpkin bread is different than pumpkin drink. Like pumpkin,
2: like... That's true. That's true. But just pumpkin in general, you know, pumpkin spice as a as a flavor coming back, I am okay with. I'm just not a fan of it in liquid form.
3: I agree with that assessment. Because <laughs> pumpkin bread is great, the pumpkin scones are great.
2: But Caleb, if if pumpkin spice brings you that much joy, then I would support it being an option all year round. They just lose their marketing for it because it's not very
0: good. Right. I think if I think the other thing is if they made it all year round, nobody would buy That's it. True. It's true. Because like. Hazelnut is the superior flavor most of the time.
3: Gingerbread.
2: I, I love their, I love Starbucks's caramel apple spice.
0: Mm, that should also be year round. They can make that all year round. Pumpkin spice can too. It has no actual pumpkins or spice. Like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, yeah. no pumpkin I mean, like Starbucks can actually make the caramel apple spice. They can make that all year round. They have those things in the store all the year. It doesn't go away. Yeah, noted. I mean, Starbucks is not going to come for me now because I just revealed secrets, but it's fine.
0: I mean, you don't work for them anymore. They they have no means of retaliation.
2: That's true. Unless they made you sign a gag order or something, I think you're probably pretty good. <laughs> I think we're okay.
1: <laughs> I just I just drink my coffee black. Like,
0: so so Zach, yes or no? Do you enjoy pumpkin spice lattes or other pumpkin spice flavored beverages?
1: Yes, I like pumpkin anything yeah yeah
0: okay so i just want to point out here that we have four white people on this (laughs) podcast the white girls say yeah pumpkin spice drinks not worth it but both of the guys are here like yeah we drink pumpkin spice lattes
2: you guys are better basic white girls than we are
0: that's that's what i was gonna say is we're more basic white girl than than the females on this podcast and the
2: two white girls on the podcast
3: i compensate by the number of vests that i own that i can wear like the whole han solo season thing like that is my life like skinny jeans and vests like and boots so it's okay it balances out like no pumpkin spice but seriously insane amounts of vests and boots so i don't know why i'm trying to claim basic white girl status but i felt like i was attacked somehow and i needed to
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I fall into any of the basic white girl categories, but I don't know all of them. So maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> we can talk about that next week. Oh, no, please not. Let's not.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't know that you'd need to be a basic white girl. I'm not sure that that's a good thing because most people use that as an insult. It's so. true.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's a term of endearment or anything.
3: Which is actually classism and elitism and is a whole different conversation that you could have because it's like, you can't like popular things. It's basically intellectual snobbery.
0: Well, on, on that note, we should probably move into our theological topic of the day. So, what is the gospel? Zach, it was you that brought it up. You said that the gospel is good news in other countries, but not in America. So, what do you mean by that?
1: Dude, it's so funny, right? I was thinking about, um, like, this podcast. Once we decided to do the gospel, I was like, okay, like, where to begin, With that, right? Because when you're trying to present the gospel to somebody on the street or in your class or just a family member or whatever, there's always like an easy starting point to start at, right? But when you're on a podcast and you're trying to explain like, hey, this is the gospel, like, there's so many avenues you can take with that and to to, to simplify it it's it's weird because I was like I gotta study you know what I mean I, I also had the same thing about like leading people to Christ and sharing the gospel with them it's like or like an altar call when I was first learning how to do uh, like when I was first learning how to preach like in front of people I could tell the sermon like it was nobody's business I was good at it you know what I mean I love being in front of people and talking and then when it got to the altar call I like froze.
2: I'm super uncomfortable with altar call with like doing that.
1: Which is so funny though, because that's the main purpose of we give them a good, like great meal to eat. And then we tell them how they can use that meal to further their life. Right. Like at the altar call, that's what it is. I
2: mean, I, In theory, but I think what we've done with altar calls is they're always about salvation. Like, come forward to be saved versus, like, take the next step in your walk with Jesus. Like, maybe we we just did this last night with my youth group where I said the good news is that Jesus is king. And if he's anything other than king, then he's he's not in his proper place. So, like, if Jesus is only a steward in your life or an advisor (laughs) or a teacher... Or a counselor, like then, then he's in his improper place. So, like, what's take a step tonight to to change where Jesus is in your life? Um, and I'm really comfortable with things like that because it's not just a blanket come forward to be saved and pray the sinner's prayer because that's not in Scripture. It's like Jesus said, "Follow me," and that each step is going to look different for each individual person of where they are. It might be a huge thing for them to recognize, oh, I had this misperception about who Jesus was that has been clarified tonight so I bump Jesus up in the hierarchy of my of my life but which is why I like I've done maybe one altar call at youth group in the three years I've been there because it was just like at the moment it was right to do it like to do a traditional one but most of the time it feels like it's not
0: I think I think part of the problem that we have in conversations about the gospel is our definition is bad we like to think of sharing the gospel as sharing the Romans road as the Romans road as, as sharing a a soteriological framework, the message of salvation. And we take this message of how Jesus saves and we say that that is the gospel. Um, it comes out of our framework as reformed people, as Protestants, right? The Protestant Reformation at its heart was a re-understanding of what it means to be saved and how we are saved. And so we've taken what was a possibly a wrong understanding of what the gospel is. And we've, throughout the past 500 years, emphasized this method of salvation and said that the gospel is coming to faith in Christ. And that's not, biblically speaking, what the gospel is, right? The gospels, we have four of them in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole book is the gospel. The whole book is the the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as is opened up in Mark. And so we take and we say, share the gospel, and then we say, ah, look, this is how Jesus can keep you out of hell. But when we have that understanding, we've missed the point.
3: Yeah, E. Stanley Jones has a great quote talking about that. He was a missionary in India around the 40s, he knew Gandhi, and he has a quote saying, it's from a book called Christ of the Mount, and he says that um, basically, I'm paraphrasing it loosely, but Jesus did not come to get men out of hell, but hell out of men.
2: I think that's interesting too. I just, um, like, re listened to um, Nabil Qureshi's book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And one of the questions that he answers at, in one of the appendix is basically, it, you know, people ask him how he accepted Christ or like how he did. It. He's like, why didn't you just pray the sinner's prayer? And he's like, I didn't know that was a thing, number one. And saying that prayer isn't what like Jesus was to me anyway. Like, cause it wasn't just about, oh, Jesus saves. It was, it was the whole, Compilation of of the story of God, like culminating in Jesus and in the, the all the different things that that Nabil uh, had to research and like unlearn. So I just thought like that's always an interesting thing, especially because he ended up being it was so well loved within like an evangelical community. But he's like I didn't need to pray a sinner's prayer. Like, it's not a thing, necessarily. But I, Caleb, I liked your point from from the aspect of, like, in Mark 1, 14, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news is directly linked to the to a kingdom framework and mindset, and Jesus' divine kingship. And he says that long before he goes to the cross. So while the, co- the cross and the resurrection, of course, we can't understate, but it's only part of the good news. <laughs> because in In the very first chapter of Mark, Jesus says, repent and believe the good news, right?
1: Now, do you think people, to to go off your question, you said you don't want to understate the cross. Do you think, in your opinion of some of the pastors that you hear and the popular speakers and stuff, that they overstate that? Or can you overstate that? In the sense that where the actual like salvation and the gospel is just that, and then everything else kind of falls second.
3: I think this is where we get to the meaning of salvation and what that even means. And this is a debate a couple of us have had before. I'm reading the Salvation by Allegiance alone right now. And he really, uh, Matthew Bates sets up a really good argument because he's like, you aren't really serving someone unless you actually do what they say, right? So it's never about just pray a prayer because that's the whole, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and Jesus is going to be like, depart from me. I never knew you, right? It's not, he's not talking to the people who've never claimed to follow him. Right, he's coming to people who are like, "I'm totally on the inside." And he's like, "Well, you never did anything that I asked you to, right?" And I think, like Caleb was saying, as Protestants, we've pushed back so hard against any kind of idea of works because it was the result of the Protestant Reformation, right, and the excesses that were seen at the time that we 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 asked the wrong question, <laughs> right? Like we saw real problems, but asked the wrong questions to fix it, and that's how I think where we end up where we are, and that's where we end up with the weird focus on salvation, like we do. Because we're focused on getting saved from hell rather than joining God in his kingdom, right? Dallas Willard calls kingdom of God is like basically the range of God's effective will, right? It's like, where are people living like Jesus is king? And that's when he's talking about kingdom. Um, So like, are you living as a citizen of the kingdom? Are you living like Jesus is Lord? And then the cross then becomes the validation and the vindication of Jesus to be like, all the things that I've said, how I'm like, I am God, this is who God is, like, I am the great, I am all of that stuff. You see that fulfilled in this resurrection, the cro- the death and the resurrection, you see that God's kingdom is different than the kingdoms of the world. And that he's vindicated and validated with that death and resurrection. And so like, I think we can emphasize the wrong parts of it. And I think that's what we've done.
2: And, and I qualified that of like saying, not understanding the cross, simply because I know there are so many people who would, by hearing anyone state that it's not about the cross fully, would switch their ears off before even hearing the rest of it.
0: And I think that, like, it's totally about the cross, right? Like, yeah. Like, how did jesus inaugurate his kingdom is by being the suffering servant who died on a cross
1: no no i get that for sure i think i think more of my question kind of tends towards hey i believe that jesus died on the cross and i prayed that prayer or whatever 10 years ago now am i following anything else the bible says no but you know that i have something to fall back on way back there and so in in that that's what i meant by that when the overstatement of it, you know what I mean?
0: So I think the issue there is not that we've overemphasized the cross because the cross, like that's not overemphasizing the cross. That's overemphasizing a salvation experience.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes
3: sense. And underestim and underemphasizing the rest of what it means to follow Jesus.
0: Or as I would say, under emphasizing the actual cross that Christ calls us to pick up and carry it's an emphasis on look this is what Jesus did for me on the cross so I don't have to do anything but the call of Christ is to pick up your cross daily and so it's actually putting what happens on the cross completely on Jesus instead of saying I also have a responsibility to carry my cross in following God
2: and and I think it then brings up it brings the uh, the responsibility peace then is also important from the aspect of the soteriological message of turner burn um misses out on the on the purpose of like we of being of that phrase like being saved to something being brought into the kingdom for a greater reason than your own individual you know get out of hell free card um
0: right and we should probably define terms here because I don't know that we did that. Soteriology is the study of salvation. I probably should have like said that at my beginning, talking about our soteriological emphasis, but I didn't. And so I'm adding it here. Soteriology is the study of salvation for those people listening who might not be ready to use all of these big, fancy words.
3: So I have a question for you, Alden. So again, like I said, I've been reading that that book. He has a, a quote, and I kind of want to see what y'all think about it, because it, it defines to this, and I think it's going to really deal with what Zach was talking about. But he basically starts talking about the Old Testament or the Old Testament, the ancient world's Gnostics and their idea of knowledge that makes you saves you. Right? You have to have the special secret hidden knowledge. And he's like, by reducing Christianity to simply this moment of I believe that Jesus died on the cross, we have basically become the equivalent of modern Gnostics. It's like this special secret knowledge will save you. And I was like, that's "That's harsh, man. He basically calls the free grace movement, approaches the notion of salvation by knowledge, which is basically Gnosticism is what he's implying. He doesn't quite say it that directly. He's a little bit more tactful, but his implication is this is Gnosticism.
2: Someone can objectively look at the historical evidence and say, yeah, Jesus's death on the cross makes sense and death and resurrection. And they can believe those as facts and still not like recognize Jesus as King or as Lord of their lives, you know? So just because you believe that that statement is true, doesn't mean much really.
0: Right. Like it's, it's not, it's not enough just to believe you have to be part of the kingdom of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks, I'm going to go off on a whole nother tangent here. So it'll come back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he literally says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus is talking to people, presumably people who are going to start to follow him. And he says, look, if you don't follow me, if you don't do the things that you need to do, if you're not willing to cut off part of your body or cut out part of your life, that causes you to live outside of the kingdom, your whole self is going to be damned. Your whole self is going to be thrown into the fires of being sacrificed to a false god, because that's what happened at Gehenna historically. It was a place of sacrifice to false gods. Um, So if you don't, if you don't cut the sin out of your life, if you don't cut those things out, like you will be damned. Like that's what Jesus is saying here pretty, pretty clearly when we make salvation about praying a prayer 10 years ago, as Zach said, but we don't make our allegiance to Christ and we don't live faithfully a life to him. Our faith is not in Christ and and we'll be damned. Like that's what Jesus says. And if Jesus means what he says, which I think he does, we need to take that very seriously.
1: Isn't it nice though? I think that um, because you're reading that, right? And you're just like anybody hearing that, you know, in the Bible, you're just like, man, I am done for like, I'm done. So, you know what I mean? Like my life means nothing, but, but isn't it awesome that you know, that like grace is a thing, you know, like, like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to give people a pass or whatever of saying like, well, you know, I always sin. And so, you know, God's grace is, you know, whatever, but like the grace that God gives us because we are fallen people, You know, because as much as I try and live my life, even Paul talks about that, you know, we try and live our lives the best we can, but our flesh just sucks, you know? Um, And so I just, I just thought to give the listeners, I guess, a little bit of hope and that we're not just like, we're not just like damning them the whole time, you know, because, because honestly, that's what it kind of sounds like for a second. It's like, it's like, Hey, like, this is what you have to do. And if you're not this, 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 and this, then like, and it almost to a point, Caleb, sounded like grace alone or the gift alone wasn't enough of what you said. And I know that's not what you meant, but to the, but to the viewers, like, and, and you might have meant that. I don't know.
0: I think I meant that. The gift alone is not enough.
2: Because we have a responsibility in our response to it.
0: The gift has to be received right the gospel is the good news that jesus is king if you say jesus you're king but i'm going to continually break your laws i'm going to continually consciously ignoring everything that you do jesus isn't your king and as a result you'll be put outside the kingdom which is what hell is hell is a place outside the kingdom where you die
3: but yeah it's just like if you don't actually live like jesus is king it's like you know like you know several of us are married. Like I can acknowledge that I'm married and know that I'm married, but if I don't stay faithful to my husband, like I might as well not be married even though I am like, right. And that's like, obviously not a perfect correlation, but it's like, I'm not acting like I am. Like, is he going to feel like we're married or I've been faithful? Like, I'm like, well, we said, a, you know, we're to. I'm wearing my ring, you know, like, you know, and it's like, and I think that's the problem is we still have that Protestant Reformation pushback and fear of like anything that's like, looks like it could be remotely involved with works. But like, you know, even in, what is it, Hebrew, hear and obey are basically the same word, like the Shema, like, it's, it's like, they're the same thing. It's like hearing is obeying. It's just like, you're going to know people are my disciples because you can tell. And there's a point of like, we've made the gospel both Too easy and too hard.
2: The the irony of this resistance to works or having like personal or like action behind our faith coming out of the Protestant Reformation, but then you also on on this other side of Protestantism have this like Protestant work ethic where we are like defined by the work that we do. It's such an interesting dichotomy and parallel at the same time of like we're not saved by works, but we better be good like hardworking capitalists to like. Contribute to society in some way.
3: But forget that whole year jubilee thing. That's that's not that's not biblical.
2: You know that's not a thing, right? So I, I think that's an interesting aspect of two things that kind of fight against each other in our in that in that worldview. Um,
0: right. And then and then to finish my thought from earlier, before I let Zach talk again. Sorry. Um, no, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. So I think that the other thing is I said that that grace is not enough, right? But at the same time, while that grace is not enough to stay in the kingdom, it is all that is needed to be accepted into the kingdom. We, we, there is no no work brings you into God's kingdom, absolutely none. Right? The pe- the Israelites in at the Exodus, they didn't earn being saved from Exodus by a flood. And God said, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, follow these commands. And then he gave the 10 commandments. And in the same way, Christ frees us from bondage to sin. And because we have been freed from sin, now we respond as kingdom people who live like citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But if we After we've been saved and after we've gained entrance into that kingdom of God, if we continually and habitually refuse to remove the things from our lives that cause us to sin and we continually don't live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we no longer will be that.
1: That was really good. Yeah, it was I mean there's there's really no argument about that. I think
0: Does that clarify where what my position is on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think um, the reason I asked, though, about the the works versus grace versus work and grace type of thing is because there are, I guess, not going to call them denominations, I guess, other religions or denominations, really, where where works is a huge part of how to be more Christian, if, if you want to use that word, or be more saved, right? Like, Like there's levels of saved you know um which is ridiculous i wanted to clarify that like and to to get you to clarify more on what you were saying because of that because a lot of the things that we say if we don't clarify can be misconstrued in another way and we want to make sure that this podcast especially this like episode itself is super clear in what we mean by the gospel and by who jesus is what the kingdom actually is you know what i mean and and what that means And, and why it's so important to live in the middle, right? I, I want to write a book one day about, and I'm just going to title it the middle, right? And, and it's going to be about what we do on our, in our daily lives and how we live compared to, or as Christians.
2: You might have to choose a new title. I'm pretty sure there's a TV show that it's called the middle.
1: I know, (laughs) but that's true. But, but my biggest thing is like, so like our salvation, that's when it starts. And then the ending is when you die on this earth, right? On whatever it is. Now, the middle is what we're talking about, right? Everybody thinks that salvation is like, oh, well, now I'm saved. And then my life is going to be better, hopefully, or I'm going to be a better person. And then i it's like a, a ticket and you get to go to heaven. And that's what you get for doing that. The golden ticket. Right. But there's this whole middle ground, right, of us living our life, us loving people, us caring about people, us literally putting Jesus as Lord and Savior and King over everything that we do um, that people don't want to talk about. You know what I mean? When most of the time the salvation message is, you know, turn or burn or fire and brimstone. But like, if that's the case, then as soon as we actually believe, why don't we just go up to heaven? Like that's not the, the winning ticket and you just automatically go. You know what I mean? There's this whole life that God lets us have. Um, and I think that's important to talk about too.
3: Yeah, I don't think you can talk about the gospel without really dealing with heaven and earth and eternity and like what is the point of Jesus coming, right? Because it, it's all coming back to all of that, right? And the opposite of, and realizing, I'm going to use N.T. again, right, but it's about setting things to right, you know? um putting things back to the way they should be and we have this weird dichotomy that is not actually biblical but platonic that's not anywhere in the bible that is absolutely platonic thought about the separation between the body and the spirit um because adam or like god breathes into adam and then adam becomes a living being right um the living being is adam and the breath of god right it's like this dirt and god living being let's do this thing right like we have this weird like greek zeus cloud heart lightning bolt throwing god right um and it's no wonder we have a hard time with understanding the gospel then because our whole premise is faulty we started with faulty premises and no wonder it leads to weird conclusions when when your
0: anthropology is wrong your understanding of what a person is and then your understanding of who god is is bad and then your understanding of what Christ did is bad, you're going to have some messed up theology. You're going to have a messed up understanding of the Christian life because you have a unbiblical understanding of all of these things. And that's really common. And I don't want to say that necessarily like everything in the Protestant Reformation is bad, right? Like we're four Protestants here. I think we're all still Protestants at least.
3: There were real problems, but we picked the wrong. It's like the whole. But Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? They're like the life meaning universe, or the meaning of the life universe and everything, and they're like forty two, and they're like, well, you asked the wrong question. That's the answer, but the question was wrong.
0: Right, like we're, we're all we're all Protestants here, but like even as some things are right in the Protestant Reformation we've we've twisted the scriptures to fit the narrative that we want because we've tried to make it answer questions that it never tried to answer john walton always says the bible was written for us not to us and i think that's really important like it's not god's love letter to you right now like i mean god tells you that he loves you because he loves you with that same kind of love that you see in all of the people throughout the scripture But it's not written to you. It's written to other people in other circumstances. And through that word, God speaks to us. I
2: haven't read any of John Walton's books, but it's there on my
1: list. Yeah. So what you're saying is we're not supposed to superimpose ourselves into every story of the Bible. Is that what you're saying, Caleb? You mean I'm not David? <laughs> I know, right? I'm not David with a stone. Well,
0: I mean, actually, you know what? I think that to a point that that is a fine thing to do, right? Because God, God loves you with the same kind of love that he loves that person with, right? So God loves you with the same kind of love that he used to help David to, you know, kill Goliath. And the same kind of love that he still loved David even after he raped Bathsheba. But if you're going to put yourself in the place of David slaying Goliath, remember that there's also ramifications when you rape people or when you do whatever the equivalent of that is in your life.
3: Yeah, it's like we want to make ourselves the hero of the story and we are not.
0: And even if we are the hero, we're also the villain just a few chapters away.
3: Yeah, there's
2: nobody in scripture but Jesus who isn't, also the villain to somebody else's story.
1: Which is the gospel. Like if that's the best, if that's the best way to put it, Full like circle! good job because no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. good. because we are such a, like we are created by God, you know, and we were this creation for him. And so we realize that we're sinners and now we're faulty. Right. And the only thing that could save us from a doom type of thing or save us from our own wickedness is jesus the person who came down from heaven as god and man and put that off to become man and it's just amazing to me and so that's that's the good news like like we we just went around about way and i finally answered your question kill from the very beginning is i just needed some words but like that's 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 why it's so awesome in other countries right? Because in America, we think we can do everything for ourselves. And to an extent we have enough money and we have enough power and we have enough everything that we kind of can, but there's, there's a couple things we can't do. And that's the thing we don't want to talk about. Everybody wants to put it off until the very end. You know how many people I talk to and, and specifically people that are close to me that are like, I don't want to, I don't want to know, like, I know who Jesus is, you know, and Sure, I know my Bible, but I'm not going to follow him because he's asking too much of me.
0: There's a reason that Jesus says that it's harder for a rich man to enter through, through the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Like, there is a reason that Jesus uses that picture. And unfortunately, in America, most of us are rich. Most of us are that rich man who has a difficult time entering the kingdom of God. Not because God's sacrifice isn't enough but because we refuse to accept it, thinking that we can buy our own way into the kingdom.
2: Which is interesting because the I, I think I we just had a, um, like there was a conversation about the rich young ruler and somebody was using it to argue for some economic, <laughs> one of the economic things, I can't remember which. Um, but it's just like, it, even if you use that story in, in that capacity, you're missing the point of, regardless of what we have materially, Jesus still says it's mine. And that's the, like, it's not so much that the rich young ruler had a lot. It was that he wasn't willing to surrender it to Jesus. um, And, and be willing to give it up if that's what Jesus asked him to do. And we see, yeah, we see ourselves, Americans want to see themselves as the woman caught in adultery, but not as,
3: the rich young ruler. (laughs) Yep. So we go away very sad. And when you go
0: away very sad, like that doesn't mean that you don't eventually turn back around and follow Jesus, right? The rich young ruler goes away sad, but that doesn't mean he didn't go sell everything that he has. Like you, you have a choice at that point. Tradition, church history has that man selling everything and following Jesus. And he's John Mark that follows around with like the apostle Paul, Right? Like, that's what tra- That's what tradition says. So, like, we read that, we're like, look at this guy. He didn't follow Jesus. But if we follow at least the Catholic tradition through, no, he does. He sells everything. And maybe he has problems. At see that explains the flaking out with Paul. The same rich young ruler becomes the guy who Paul, towards the end of his life, says he's valuable to me. Send him to me. So, like, he walks away sad. But that doesn't mean that his life is over or that the story is done with him. Now, like scripturally texturally, we can't like necessarily say that he's the same guy, but that is what the tradition is.
3: I like it. They, they use that in the chosen a little bit. They use a similar moment. Well, not exactly. They have a moment with Nicodemus, <sighs> that is really powerful. I
1: was just, I wanted and to I say keep, something about it too. Yeah. Keep I was going. like, yeah, that's so good.
0: We cannot make this a podcast about the chosen every week, but go ahead.
3: Well, basically they have that moment happen with Nicodemus. They're basically about to go to Samaria. And Jesus has invited Nicodemus to come with him and he doesn't come, but he leaves this pile of money sitting there and he's like sitting around the corner. And it's interesting because you see kind of both of those things happening simultaneously where like, there's a pile of money sitting there. Nicodemus is around the corner, just like weeping. Cause it's like everything he wants to do, but he's just like, he's like, I just can't, I'm so afraid. I um, mean, Jesus is like, Oh, it's from a friend, you know? And you're just like, there's this moment of like, you could want to rag on Nicodemus cause he didn't quite get it yet. Right. And honestly, like.
0: He didn't quite get it yet. But you go towards the end of Jesus' life, and who is it that actually cares for his body? Nicodemus. It's like, we we want to rag on the man, but the man followed Jesus very clearly.
3: Yeah, and it was just this powerful demonstration of that because honestly, like my personality type, I'm totally like Peter chopping people's ears off and like <laughs> right. And then there's this moment where just is like a friend, right? And you're like, and Nicodemus hears him say that right? And he's like weeping. and it's like and it's so beautiful, and you're just like, oh right.
1: But I think anybody can put themselves in that position and say, I know for a fact who Jesus is and what he did for me and how to follow him, but I cannot give up my flesh. And and, and I just want to let every viewer or listener, I guess, know first off it's okay to be scared. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like we're Jesus asks a lot. He asks for a lot from us. You know what I mean? Like, but he also asks very little you know what i mean cuz he paid that price he did everything that we need to do and so there's a lot but there's also a little and i think that the once you get your and wrap your head around the fact that nothing on this earth is really mine anyways all of my sin all of my possessions my family i think that's another big thing that like we always pray for protection for our family right i heard this i can't remember where i heard it from but um it was talking about like when you pray on road trips like we always pray for protection. What if the next time you prayed for God's will to be done? Now does that mean if you what if that means you get stopped on the side of the road? Okay, well, if the person who stops there, you could share that gospel with them. You know what I mean? Like like God can use every circumstance and every situation to change that. And so I think that that's a big thing for me is to realize that I'm not in control of really any of this. You know what I mean? I just trust God through most of my life and just try to do the best little Zach I could be compared to this big world and my big God.
0: See, how can we say this? Liberty University has asked, well, that's a long story. Does somebody else want to talk about Jerry Falwell? Or you want me to go through like a long history of Jerry Falwell?
2: Can we just give like a, can someone just give a
1: synopsis? Okay. Okay. Here's my synopsis, which is probably completely fake, but it's what I hear on Facebook. Okay. Okay. So this guy, Jerry Falwell, is it Jerry Falwell?
0: Jerry Falwell Jr.
1: Is like a president of, I guess, Liberty University. Just found that out. Um, and he goes up to Trump and says, hey, if you give me a lawyer to cover up some stuff, I'll get a thousand evangelicals to support you. And Jerry Falwell or Trump's like, yeah, sure. Here's my lawyer. Jerry Falwell goes, here's a thousand evangelicals that are going to say everything that you do is amazing and then the cover up happens all that stuff you know gets covered up for a little bit and now somebody found out about it and nobody's calling out the evangelicals they're just calling out Jerry Falwell like we're not going to call out the thousand people that are supporting Trump right now even though they were told to by somebody now if i'm wrong Caleb please correct me but that's what i've heard
0: i think that's actually a pretty pretty good like a uh, summary of uh... <sighs> of of part of it like it's far from complete
1: (laughs) oh of course of course that's my that's my quick facebook feed version
0: but i think that's a i think that's a good explanation of what's happened here most recently
3: yep a string of questionable relationships and then questionable things done to hide said questionable relationships and other sketchy choices that students at his university would be expelled for but he doesn't have to because he's the president. And...
0: Well, I mean, that's literally how that works. When you're in a position of power, the rules don't apply to you. Like, that's, that's how power structures work.
3: Which um, is why the gospel of the kingdom is different.
0: It <laughs> it and why is... there's
2: not hierarchy in the gospel. That's so good. <laughs>
1: I was going to say that too, Lindsay. It's like, that's why the gospel sounds good to other people outside of America. Right, not...
0: because, because the power of the gospel is, is you have power because you've laid down your rights. Um, which is totally opposite of of the world. But so Jerry Falwell Jr. was the son of Jerry Falwell, who was the founder of Liberty University, as we all know.
2: Yay, Um, nepotism.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, like we have stories going way back on Jerry Falwell Jr. doing some questionable stuff. Besides the videos with the pool boy and then that pool boy apparently having an affair that, lasted for some amount of time with his wife um, which is new information to us now um, like he's he's done some questionable things like who could forget in 2015 when he told Liberty University students when he encouraged them to carry firearms um, and uh, shoot Muslims before oh. they uh, could shoot places up that was a thing that he did
2: oh. right 2015 Seriously? Woo-hoo. Oh, big oofs. See, this is
3: not a recent marriage to um, the far-right ideology. It's been a thing for a while. Right. That's
0: terrible. Yeah. But nobody cared when he did that, right? Liberty University didn't take any action, even though he said that in chapel, right? He said that in chapel, talked about how he had a gun with him right then. Um, Like, nobody cared. But then there's a picture of him pretending to be pregnant with his pants unzipped, and all of a sudden, Liberty University loses their stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and is he and pretending
2: to be pregnant, or is that a beer belly? Um... I thought it was. A it beer is belly.
0: a beer belly, but the girl that he's with is pregnant. Oh! And they both couldn't button their pants, and so they took a picture together. Which oh. I mean.
3: Why is she on a yacht with Pancho Camp?
0: Because she's pregnant. Yeah. Was that was that the
1: so was that the problem of the picture or was it that he had wine in his glass? That's the
0: premise of the picture. Like that's why he took it. The 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 black liquid in his glass. Like okay, whatever. Nobody cares. Everybody knows that Liberty University students who aren't allowed to drink, let alone their president, who is seen regularly drinking alcohol in public,
3: and Um, profiting off of alcoholic businesses because they've sold things that are on their property and stuff so
0: so like but that compromising photo was a bigger deal to U- Liberty University than like him saying that we should kill Muslims um like that to me was crazy but then the story got crazier because from 2014 the the pool boy and the sketchy photos came back up and ho- here that's an affair and mm-hmm. Because of that, like, they've asked him to resign. Now, or he resigned, however all that works. The crazy thing to me is they're still paying him for the next two years, right? They're still paying his salary for the next two years, and then half of his salary or equivalent to that for, like, eight years after that, right? Like, they're going to end up paying this guy literally millions of dollars. 10.5 million.
1: How much? 10.5.
2: 10. Ten point
1: 5. five. To be a face for a university? No, would be, to be not be a hide
3: hide face, to it's not. Well, money.
1: I know, but like that's what he's been for like the last I don't know how many years. Well, 10, yeah, he's made yeah, he like and million right. dollars in
3: hush money. Right, oh.
0: and and the thing about it is the university isn't. He's Jerry Falwell has not admitted that he's doing wrong. The university is not asking him to admit that he's done any wrong. They're just the woman you gave me trying to. <laughs> Hush a situation that everybody knows about, and to me, that's insanity. Um, especially to be a university that claims to be Christian, um, right? Yeah, Lindsay, I I know you have thoughts, I can see it on your face. Oh, you have words,
3: not ones I can say on a Christian podcast.
1: Okay, so, so to be the to be the opposite side of this thing because now I'm curious and just trying to start strike conversation in the sense of like the decry- So we're gonna take what the unfortunately I guess what we're doing is taking the president of the or the face of the university and then saying the whole university is bad. Throw it away, type of thing, right? Is that what? Because that's what it kind of no. sounds like. No,
2: no, no, not at all. Okay. It's just the I, the the issue <laughs> being that we have a a university that is like a Christian institution supposedly that is supposed to be instructing like the next generation of disciples and they have not held their president to the same standards in which they hold their students. Um, If a student like posted a picture of themselves with their pants undone and alcohol they would have been punished they would have been expelled immediately They, yeah if a student you know if it came out that a student was having premarital sex or extramarital sex uh they'd be expelled immediately if i mean i would hope that if a student said we should kill muslims they'd also be expelled immediately but i'm not super convinced of that but the fact that this is and one of the biggest Christian universities, like in the world, yeah, um, is is problematic to to, mm-hmm. to really understate it, um, because I mean this is the face when when uh, hearkening back to seeking all I Jesus again because I just listened to it. And Mm -hmm. Nabeel makes uh, the first half of the book. He's really expressing and communicating what it's like to be a first generation um, uh, immigrant essentially to our country and Mm -hmm. living in this like third culture experience of not, he wasn't Pakistani enough. It wasn't American enough. And like, what do Muslims um, see as America? They see, okay, America is a, Christian nation which well, we can address that at a whole nother podcast but then you know what the article that goes to BBC is the president of the Christian University is fired for all these things um, and so it's not for me it's not just about the 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 hypocrisy of the institution and them choosing what they hold accountable it's It goes, it goes into my issue with, uh, Christians being so okay with, um, defending president Trump and his behavior and saying, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a president and like justifying that because the message it sends, um, is more reflective or more of a negative reflection on Jesus and the gospel than like, I don't, I don't really, this is, my sound a little too strong. I don't really care what the rest of the world thinks about America. I really care what the rest of the world thinks about Jesus.
1: Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. And um, I, and I really don't care actually what they think about a Christian university, except for the, as it reflects on Jesus. And it's not about like, see this guy is terrible and like, we're glad they're finally getting rid of him. It's, the, it's like, this has been, this exposes the, um, kind of the systemic nepotism and corruption within the conservative right wing, um, evangelical will just make bad things go away versus when, when you have enough money, <laughs> will make bad things go away. Um, instead of holding you accountable. So, I mean, the fact that he's getting, 10.5 million a year or whatever oh, total, total for him to be fired for his stupidity. That's
3: well, it's like <laughs> everything we were saying about gospel and kingdom, right? Like we've say this all the time, but like saying Jesus is Lord means that Caesar isn't explicitly right. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can look up all kinds of good things about that into your right. Bible project, Dallas Willard, Matt, like a whole bunch of people will tell you. you can go into more detail if you want to read about that. But like, I we feel like you know the Pharisees are like yeah but we have no king but Caesar you know like when they're calling Jesus the king of the Jews and stuff it's like we've decided we have no king but Caesar you know and it, which was never something that Christianity was meant to do following Jesus was never about to be amassing wealth and influence and power the whole point is like that his upside down kingdom is the restoration of how things should be not how necessarily they are in the sense of like people are like well it's just how it is and you're like Well, then fix it, (laughs) right? Like if you're asking to live like Jesus, like Jesus prayed your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like then why don't we live like these things that Jesus said? And I think that's what bothers me about it is people who are like have a platform, have influence, have are shaping what not only their students, but other people see as the way of Jesus that they're completely distorting it. You know, Um, even there's a quote, it's famous, right? But basically it's like Gandhi and they're like, man, we'd like, you know, it's a, I don't have a problem with Jesus. But, you know, basically, he's talking in the Stanley Jones' book. He's like, man, there'd be more Christians in India if I'm more your Christians are more like your Christ, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, and it's still a yeah, it's still stings. a true assessment. Yeah,
1: things because people, sorry, people equate. It was kind of going back to you too, um, Rebecca, about the, the like. I don't care about what people think about America. Yeah. Right, but um, and unfortunately, people see America as a Christian country. Right, and, and to me, in my opinion, and I think to a lot of people, it's not anymore. You know what I mean? Like, If like, it ever was. If it ever was to begin with, yes. Um, and I think it's, it's, if it ever was, we'll use that term, if it ever was, though, it's falling farther and further away on the daily. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not about who we elect and it's not about you know who's in charge or it's, it's about what we do as people and who we treat um, and who we actually care about and yeah. how, how we care about those people. And I think that's a big thing too is to um to preface, I guess, or whatever to some of the listeners is that like we're calling these people out because we're they're supposedly Christians. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. we, we can and we yeah. should. You know what I mean? It's not because we're just wanting to talk politics or anything. I think I wanted to preface that because because we just talked about the gospel for a long time and now we're coming out and it almost like sounds blasting. like blasting right. <laughs> yeah. But really that's that's like if you hear that from anything, if you read the Bible, Jesus does that a couple of different times. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He blasts them, and so um, it it's it the all people
2: in power that he
1: right. It all comes back, back to out. love. Yeah.
0: As a Christian university, Liberty is supposed to espouse Kingdom of God values, mm-hmm. and they don't. Mm-hmm. The values that they've shown are the values of having students of increasing their profitability of all of these things. But they've had somebody in the highest level of leadership for years who has continually ignored the gospel of Christ and the school has kept them because it was profitable and it Mm -hmm. took until it was a news story for people to care even though there were people inside that institution who knew that there were serious sin issues going along years ago. They knew that his lifestyle was not consistent with kingdom values and still said, yes, but he makes us money and he gains us worldly power and influence, and so we'll keep it. And I think that's the problem that I have with liberty. And even now, Mm -hmm. in they're saying, we're going to not even say officially that you've sinned. They're continuing to say, we're going to value our political influence and the fact that we don't want to make this administration mad by mm-hmm. calling somebody out publicly. We're just going to try to hush it. They care more about their influence than the gospel. And I think that's what my problem is with, yeah. with liberty.
2: So maybe next week, our, our hashing out should be, how, what do we define as kingdom values? Um, because we just, we talked about the gospel, but like, we're, we, we all tend to use the phrase kingdom values, but it'd be probably good to, what, what does that even mean? And what does that, uh, what does that look like, um, in our, in our, in the original context? And then how is that applicable, uh, to our current, to our current context, um, Sorry, and to plug
1: off what Rebecca just said about like those kingdom values, um, any of the listeners, I, I really do recommend the Bible Project. Um, I've take, I've taken a couple trips over the past couple weeks and just hours of just listening to them talk about like the real deep issues that sometimes you don't want to talk about or get in the nitty and gritty of the what it meant to the the Jewish reader, right? Because because we take it as what it means to us right now, and it's like oh that's not applicable. But like, if you put yourself kind of in that pretense of, I'm a, you know, Jew reading the Bible for the first time or listening to Jesus speak to me for the first time, like how would I have taken what he said? Um, and it's it's a mind blowing thing because we don't.
2: Yeah, something that I read in. Um, I've I've listened to a lot of audiobooks uh, in 2020. and I don't remember if this um, little tidbit came from. Uh, Rachel Held Evans's book, or one of Nadia bowles webers um, I've only read one each of theirs, so it could have been either one. But um, I think it was Rachel Held Evans because it spoke about in in Jewish culture um, when speaking of scripture, they um, like scripture is where they start the conversation and say like and 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 go round and round and debate and talk and have and have those conversations and in in the evangelical world in the christian world in general because i think um it's just as prevalent within like the catholic tradition as it is in the protestant that's like no the conversation stops with scripture this is what it says and so this is where it like the buck stops here and and while yes we should treat scripture with like uh, good you know, reverence or whatever—it it, doesn't—it doesn't lower the 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 value of the Bible to to have conversation about it. Um, and I and I really appreciated that idea of like Scripture should be where our conversations start, like not where they not where they stop. Um,
3: it's like and, we forget that somehow the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes are all running around at the same time when Jesus is coming and talking, and they're all debating. Right? On they're I,
2: all I, quoting scripture too. I
0: don't think yeah. that we've forgotten that because we've forgotten that they were even people who had different interpretations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's, that's what they, that's what they did. They used to debate. Like some of the yeah. times that the, the Pharisees questioned Jesus is not because they're trying to trick him, but also because they're trying to learn. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're trying to trick him, but also because they're trying to learn. And so I, I like doing that sometimes. Like my father-in-law is a pastor. Um, and so like, I'll go up to him and be like, and just sound something like super random, like crazy thought of like, Hey, what if I interpreted this, you know, like this and mm-hmm. just see what he'd say, because if my, my interpretation can hold water, then maybe there's something to that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if there's not, if it can't, then he should be able just to destroy me. Cause he's, you know, 54 <laughs> and super
0: smart, but you know, like, all right. And with that, we probably should be about ready to end our podcast. We've been- for a while so i know i know we have good conversations lots of things we could keep talking for hours but you know
2: thank you for listening to the barely saved podcast make sure to
1: subscribe using your favorite podcast app you can find more episodes links and show notes
3: at barely Bye. Bye. <laughs>